0: Seattle, Washington. I'm Zach Jabal, and this is an next round Fine Pair podcast conversation. We're bringing you these conversations in between our regular podcast episodes to focus on the issues and stories that are going on in the drinks world today. And right now, I'm speaking with Josh Jacob. He's the co-founder and CEO of Speakeasy Co. Josh, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Zach. So let's start uh, with uh, hopefully a relatively straightforward question, which is what
1: is Speakeasy Co? Zach, you should know by now, nothing <laughs> straightforward in the alcohol industry. Speak easy the most succinct way to describe our services are e commerce and fulfillment platform okay um
0: maybe let's unpack that a little bit more so so like um maybe we can look at this through the lens of what are some what are some producers that you work with and and what is it that you do for them
1: yeah, absolutely, so a couple brands that we work with today would include Tenth Mountain Whiskey in Vail, Colorado, Horse Soldier Bourbon, and a lot of craft and emerging brands at the present. And in the alcohol industry is a major challenge for the brands, for the suppliers, since they're so far removed from the end customer transaction in a bar, restaurant, or liquor store. All they have is their, their bottle and label on a shelf, or name on a menu, which is not a heck of a lot of real estate to engage with consumers. And our platform is all about empowering these suppliers, empowering these brands to own their own growth and own their own relationship with customers for the first time in the alcohol industry.
0: And I wonder, you know, uh, we'll get more into this in a little bit. I have a couple other questions maybe before it. But just one thing you said right there that, that sticks out to me is, you know, I know lots of people in the craft distilling space, um, you know, throughout the country. And for a lot of them, the natural point of discovery was the bar was the restaurant, because that's a place where, you know, being on the shelf alongside familiar brands can be a point of distinction. You people, hopefully the bartender or the, or the staff of the, of the establishment know a little bit about the product, or at least getting that information in their hands is possible. Obviously 2020 and into 2021 has been a difficult time for anyone who relies on discovery through restaurants and bars. So, so, I mean, how has this period of time during the pandemic, you know, how has it made it all the more imperative for some of these brands to have another way to connect with potential
1: uh, consumers? You are absolutely right, Zach. The craft emerging players are disproportionately reliant upon not only bars and restaurants, but even just their tasting rooms for the distilleries that are producing their own goods as well. And so virtually overnight with lockdown and quarantine, these brands lost 70 to 80% of their business. And unfortunately, we're forced to find and innovate new solutions to survive the pandemic. And at first, Zach, I was almost a little guilty with the the rush of inbound activity, but fortunately in working with all these partners that have come on board over the past 12 months and even more recent, we've opened up their eyes to a whole new digital world. And it's no longer just a short-term solution to bridge the gap to getting the vaccine, which hopefully is only a few more months away, but it's a long-term solution to differentiate and thrive.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really important thing that I'm gonna say right now and I think you can also elaborate on. I think something that some listeners might not realize uh, totally or or might not understand is that if you are a distillery, in particular working with, with Distilled Spirit, It can be really, really difficult to get your product in the hands of a consumer, especially a consumer who's not in the same state as you, you know, shipping spirits between states typically requires, um, you know, either working as a part of the three tier system, or there are certain states that permit it, but it's a little bit more constrained. And I'm, you know, I'm curious if, you know, one thing that you've heard, you know, I mentioned before, on the side of producers that, that during this period of lockdown and the pandemic, that obviously they've needed to find a way to connect with their audience. But I assume you also, to some extent, hear from consumers who have seen access to product that they really like kind of cut off as well. Is that, is that something that you're seeing?
1: We are seeing that, absolutely. And you hit on one of the biggest pain points, which I just want to piggyback off of and then go back to your question around the three-tier system and a point that I perhaps didn't drive home that not only do these brands only have their bottle and label on a shelf and name on a menu, as I mentioned earlier, but but that's all they have. Because of the three tier system, for the most part, brands do not have the ability to sell direct to consumer. They're forced to go through the three tiers, a distributor, the second tier, a bar restaurant, a liquor store, the third tier. So they really haven't had a heck of a lot of options outside of the traditional distribution, the traditional offerings. And thus, digital is an entirely new world, and the ability to own the customer and own their own growth is a revolutionary step for the alcohol industry. And it's not just about the brands. Going back to your point, Zach, it's really about the consumers. We've seen it in craft beer, how craft beer has exploded over the last decade and it's now somewhere around 20 to 30 percent of overall beer sales. But the, the most recent statistic produced by the uh, ADI, American Distilling Institute, I believe it was, showed that overall craft spirit sales is only around 3 percent. And based on surveying, we know consumers want to shop craft and local and unique. It's really a problem of reach. And so consumers have definitely complained about not being able to have access to their products, and also not being able to access them conveniently, which is another area we're trying to tackle with delivery direct to the doorstep.
0: I want to come to the delivery piece in a moment, um, because I think that's also, of course, an important thing. But I want to I just want to ask more um, a question that's maybe not technical, but is a little more specific to the platform, which is how exactly, you know, like, I think some people think of if they're thinking about trying to get their hands on a, a craft spirit online, they might be tempted to look at um, an online retailer or look at, uh, you know, something in that that vein. And and my sense is that, you know, uh, my understanding is that sort of with, with Speakeasy, you're kind of more like on the brand or on the distillery site, not a separate repository of, you know, kind of uh, a separate sales platform. Is that, am I, am I describing it correctly? Is that ring, is that right? Or, or can you explain a little
1: bit more how, how that works? You are accurate. And this is a major competitive advantage and just a major differentiator between the other digital solutions that have existed in the marketplace previously. So the, the notable digital names in the alcohol space would be a Drizzly, for example. But the, the challenge is Drizzly's their own brand and they want to amass their own following. And so if you're a brand, you have no ability to sell direct to consumer. You have to go through the second and the third tier. But one innovative strategy that we've seen over the, the past couple of years is for the suppliers, for the brands to run Facebook and Instagram and other digital advertising. And then they drive traffic to a Drizzly, for example. So they have a little bit more control over reaching consumers and driving them to an app or a medium to check out. But the challenge is Drizzly's their own company. If they acquire a new customer from a brand, they're not interested in sharing that, that data back they're all of a sudden going to remarket to that consumer with not just the the latest product that was purchased, but all of the products in the Drizzly portfolio. So as a brand, it's not the most scalable solution to drive traffic to another marketplace. And so the Speakeasy model, it's a white label integrated shopping cart. So the suppliers have control over the customer's journey and that user experience from end to end. There's no clunky handoff To another company or another marketplace and there are no other distractions of other brands or competitors and this also provides them the opportunity to have access to e-commerce tools such as cart abandonment emails and facebook ads and google analytics these are are tools that are essential for scaling an e-commerce business that haven't been feasible with previous relationships
0: Gotcha. So now let's talk about it again from the consumer perspective, because obviously, you know, some of our listeners here are going to be people who might be in the on the uh, producer side, but a lot of our listeners are are on the consumption side more. So, so what is the experience like then for someone who say, whether it's, uh, you know, who, who who orders a bottle of whatever whiskey, gin, whatever your spirit, what is what is that experience like in terms of just from sort of checkout to delivery?
1: And what's so unique as we were just talking about is it really feels like a branded experience from the consumer's perspective that they receive an ad or for for whatever reason are driven to a brand's website. And then they never leave that brand's website. They click purchase as you would from a non-alcohol company selling hats and t-shirts, for example, and purchase that product directly on that brand's website. And then the order confirmation email that they receive has the logo and the branding for that specific supplier. And same with the order tracking and the packing slip that's within the box. And then for our partners that are also selling merchandise, it might come with that brand's hat or T-shirt as well. And so Speakeasy is intentionally in the background. We're trying to empower these brands to, to run their own companies and we're just the, the arbiters of the ecosystem and the glue that binds it all together.
0: Gotcha. And and so, like, obviously, there's going to be a lot of variability in this issue, in this question. But what is the typical sort of time span from when someone places an order to when they can expect to get a bottle or bottles of of Spirit?
1: This has been one of the top priorities for Speakeasy over the the past 12 months as we've experienced pretty explosive growth. And uh, I will say that back in 2020, maybe 12 months ago, even maybe eight months ago, it could have been as long as two to three weeks uh, to get product on the East Coast. But really excited to share that we've gotten that down to competitive FedEx and UPS ground rates, maybe around six business days at a max anywhere in the country.
0: Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about some of the, the distilleries that you partner with. What is it that, that they might have in common? I mean, obviously, they produce different kinds of spirits, different styles are in different parts of the country. But, but what are some of the things that kind of unite them and, and make them good uh, brand partners?
1: It's a great question, Zach, and there are definitely trends that we're seeing around price points and the type of product. Uh, I think a lot of that might be correlation and just with overall trends in the industry. But if I were to pinpoint one pattern amongst our partners, they're innovators, they're early adopters, and they are willing to push the envelope and trailblaze. So we're not seeing... Every company jump into this headfirst. We're having conversations on a daily basis. And the ones that move forwards, they're the ones that see the opportunity right now to get their product to more consumers faster and easier than ever before. And some of them don't have a fully fleshed out plan, but they're willing to take that leap of faith because they see the potential and they're willing to figure it out on the fly. Other brands we connect with, they've been seeking a solution like this for years. They just couldn't necessarily map it out in their own heads to start a company. And now that they've found us, their eyes light up and they're saying where they're saving grace, which is incredibly exciting to hear from someone that you're pitching to. But we're seeing that everyone we're working with, they're willing to help drive the industry into the digital age, which is a complete paradigm shift away from the 90 year old model that we've been working under.
0: Yeah, and and speaking of that model, I mean we've gone through an interesting period of time in in this country over the last 10 months or so, um obviously with with the pandemic and understanding it's it's sort of massive effects everywhere, but you know, one area that I think has become clear and we talked about this, you know, a little bit ago about how it's it's created a, a recognition on on all sides sort of that being able to get product delivered at home is really important and yet weirdly beverage alcohol and spirits in particular is much much harder to get that than almost anything else that you want to get delivered at home and i'm wondering if you know the the one of the things that that you're looking at is you know um or is is possible to do is is not just bottles of spirits say but but is there any talk about you know premixed cocktails things like that is that something that fits into the business model or or is it still kind of just you know here's a bottle of gin say
1: really like where you're you're coming from Zach and we encourage our partners to think of ways to offer something online that's not available in the store. So we talked about at the beginning that a lot of the the brands we work with, a major challenge for them is reach. They're just not available many places. But for the brands that have widespread distribution are available in a lot of markets, there's still a ton of value online. And one of the major strategies is to offer something unique, maybe a cocktail kit. And so that could be glasses And it could be bitters and some other tinctures to whip up a curated cocktail produced by that specific partner, that specific brand. So we love that idea. We don't have a ton of partners right now offering much outside of merchandise, but there's a heck of a lot of interest in customization and offering really unique bundles. I will say we're trying to stay away from perishable items though. Of course.
0: Yeah and i wonder too along those lines maybe not so much about delivering uh just products but also uh or even merchandise but experiences is that something too that is a part of the the conversation i mean i get that to some extent you know uh, any platform has to ha- know what it's you know what it's niche uh niches i can't say that word it's niches and like can't try and do everything but i wonder too you know a- another story that i've heard certainly from the producer side is you know what's been vital for them during this period when Having people into a tasting room or a or a bar even is not really feasible or is limited or, or a lot of people are you know sort of understandably dubious of having experiential connections is is important is that something that you are part of it all or or just is is not really under your purview at the moment.
1: You're hired, Zach. Love all your ideas. <laughs> I, I, and I, not nothing fully fleshed out. Presently, but we have a lot of creative, innovative partners as we were just highlighting a moment ago. And we've seen distilleries shift from in person tours to virtual tours. But what's the one thing missing from a virtual tour? The product itself, so this could be a, a way to mix virtual and actual physical experiences. Send a bottle doesn't have to necessarily be fancy, but then you have a couple of days later the virtual tour that you're signed up for and you sample the different products and you compare and contrast the tasting notes so that that's one element, and then a purely physical experience we do have partners playing around with ideas like man crates and also maybe virtual happy hours. And everyone gets the same box, all of their friends or family, and they drink the same beverage. And then they also, on top of that, have a game that they can play together and share together. We also have a brand that we're chatting with that's interested in sending out dinner kits so it'd be the, the bottle of alcohol and they would come with a fancy tablecloth and everything you need for a fancy meal at home. We have another one that's doing picnics. So we have all these different variations that are a ton of fun. And again, it's about offering something that you can't get in the store either.
0: Excellent. Well, Josh, thank you so much for your time. Really interested to see kind of how this platform continues to grow. And and obviously, while, as you mentioned before, there's sort of this incredible need for this point of connection for for smaller distilleries and consumers in this moment um i don't think that people are going to suddenly stop wanting to get things delivered to their door i know that uh, i think that for all of us that's been a for those who weren't necessarily already in that world already it's been a a definite change that 2020 and 2021 have brought so again thank you so much really appreciate the time and the insight and uh and we'll look forward to seeing what uh, what happens with speakeasy down the
1: road it's gonna be a fun year, Zach. Really appreciate you having me and look forward to coming back on.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Vinepair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vinepair is produced by myself and Zach Jabal. It is also mixed and edited by him. Yeah, Zach, we know you do a lot. I'd also like to thank the entire Vinepair team, including my co-founder, Josh and our associate editor account. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.